0: Welcome to episode 15 of Flowering of the Human Spirit, a podcast about Edinburgh without its festivals for the first time since 1947. Today I'm going to be looking at some news, some announcements from the Edinburgh Fringe Festival Society uh, about changes that it's planning to make in the future and uh, already thinking about 2021 talking about it as though it's definitely going to go ahead and talking about getting cheap accommodation for fringe performers so that they can afford to come Uh, I might actually apply to do a fringe show next year so that maybe I could get a reduction on my rent wouldn't that be nice Stay tuned for more on this story. It's Saturday the 15th of August and announcements about festivals are coming out just almost faster than I can read them. Maybe we just have, again, more people with more time to reflect on these things out there. Um, but today I've seen an announcement by the Edinburgh Festival Fringe Society uh, saying that they are going to radically overhaul the fringe when it returns in 2021. And this is a piece in the Edinburgh Evening News. It was published yesterday, but you know, just not enough time to respond to the news as it's happening. But yesterday's news. Today uh, I'm, I've been looking at. some of the responses to this online as well so Shona McCarthy who's the chief at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe Society has talked about um, overpriced accommodation which is pricing performers artists and companies out of coming to the festival to perform in the fringe and also talking about having much more digital uh, coverage of, of the programme and less events taking place overall, she thinks, live but of a higher quality and looking at the reducing the event's carbon footprint um, by ending the publication of a fringe brochure or program, which is a huge thing, you know, it's about half the size of a phone book if you're old enough to remember what phone books are like, and see that also the end of Perhaps posters and flyers being such a prominent way of of um, publicising shows in the Fringe. Uh, she also said the Fringe has been working with the council on movement, pedestrian movement around the city and uh, basically making sure that the city, uh, the quote was, ensure the event works better for the city and all of its citizens. And uh, also one of the, the proposals has been Overpriced accommodation um, has been, say, has said by working with the city council to ensure that affordable options were available for fringe participants. Now, I'm I'm interested in this this idea, this proposal uh, that um, the city council working with the city council to ensure that affordable options would be available for fringe participants, because that immediately set my mind going when I read this article, you know, I think that everything in all the things proposed are, it's not a plan, it's not a strategy, it's a setting out of some intentions of what the Fringe wants to do in the future, and that's commendable. It all sounds commendable to me, and obviously they have in mind the idea of their role being a platform for performers to come to set out their stall to the promoters and television companies and all the other people out hiring new talent in the world or their show being popular with audiences taking off you know going stratospheric and uh, and then talking you know talking about various ways that they'll work with the city now a lot of these ways sort of quite vague at the moment basically aren't they they're just intentions that have been set out so there's no specifics and it would remain to be seen how you know how different all these aspects will be in future Uh, but the, the thing about the affordable accommodation I mean I love this idea I love the idea that fringe performers would be able to access affordable accommodation to come to the city to perform to make that platform truly egalitarian and how that's managed or financially supported or subsidized or however that works is really interesting you know there I don't know how that could work I've got no idea nothing is mentioned and my mind doesn't immediately go, there's no other examples that I can think of there other than, you know, potentially acquiring some sort of accommodation provider. Um, The council could acquire a hotel by compulsory purchase and just put all the fringe performers up in there. I've any much doubt that would be happening. For me, what's interesting though is that this is a festival, one of the festivals, the Fringe, uh, which is just a diffuse bunch of performers from all over the place coming to perform and being in one brochure and that's about it you know there is no there is no other uh, organizing of the performers involved necessarily they give them a a place to hang out and they give a place for the journalists to go when they review the shows and there's a few other bits and bobs Uh, but ultimately the uh, the performance are performers are very much on their own in in this picture and the support given by the fringe society in the past has certainly not included things like helping them to afford accommodation and that would seem to be a positive step but also to go back to the what i was talking about the other day in the in the episode about citizen voices it seems like this is potentially a move by the Fringe Festival Society to preempt um, being told what things will have to change because they've known, I mean let's face it, we've all known for a long time that flyers, brochures, all that kind of stuff was getting out of control and having that much printed material running off the presses every year was just not good for the environment not sustainable and one of these days that reality was going to bite we also know that the how unequal the fringe was becoming because of performers not being able to afford to come was eventually going to also bite and there wasn't going to be able to be a pretense that (coughs) it was a level egalitarian playing field for performing arts uh, to be discovered in the way that it Perhaps used to be back in the day when it was that sort of scrappy, uh, you know, bohemian circus rolling into town sort of vibe that I'm always hearing about from from some of the older fringe participants that I know who paint a paint a good picture. And it certainly sounds like it was it was it was a lot more fun in those days as well. It wasn't just like workaholism stress. And burnout for the performers and well I mean that's another aspect too is that you know this is one way to support them is is to give them some access to some affordable accommodation but I just don't really see how that can work and, and also thinking about citizens voices in, in this conversation uh, how is that in any way beneficial to the city, in terms of what the fringe, what the fringe is then contributing. I mean, isn't, isn't that a, again just a sort of? If, if we give affordable accommodation to anyone who wants to come and perform at the fringe, that seems fair. But how is that need for a co- affordable accommodation going to be measured? From performers, like who needs it and who doesn't? Um, how is that going to be managed? Are we just giving it to anybody who asks? I mean, I don't know why. I don't know why that why that would be a problem, but it's also a question we've got to we've got to start asking about this kind of plan. If we give affordable accommodation to anyone who wants to come, like any performers who ask that seems fair but how is that need for affordable accommodation going to be measured and presumably it would be oversubscribed so how's how's that going to work? How's, how are those performers going to be selected who are entitled to that support? And the accommodation is going to be more affordable for f- performers then but what about everyone else? And Yes, the, the, the performers do need support to come here and financially it's becoming unaffordable, but is a special low-cost accommodation only for them, is that the answer? Um, and, and the principle that is based on you know, allowing performers a platform to come to Edinburgh in August, you know, it, that's about fairness and levelling of the playing field, what about all the aspects of the fringe specifically that are unbalancing the playing field? the wider city like the expansion of commercial promoters and venues into public spaces and to compete with local year-round businesses who are already becoming part of the backlash when they're seeing that they're actually losing losing out during festival season to pop-up businesses. I'm not wishing to pour cold water on any move that can make the fringe more accessible to performers. But that isn't the whole picture, as we well know. And what's, what's interesting about these, this suggestion in particular from, from the, the Fringe Society is two things, with, with the accommodation suggestion, that is two things. One, that the market rates of accommodation during the festivals, which are very high, very inflated, market rates for accommodation during August they are caused by the festivals themselves and have now become a problem for the festivals or at least the fringe and they are apparently seeking a way around that and two that this way out is going to come through them working with the council Um, just not really sure how that works uh, and whether that, you know, whether I I don't actually know how I feel about that either. The council giving the fringe some sort of way around the property market rates, the, the, the accommodation rates that they've helped create. Uh, I do think that performers need to be supported to be able to have a fairer shot at the fringe, and to not be making a loss, and for the accommodation providers who often rake in enormous profits, such as some of the hotels. Um, you know, that's that's all that's been very unbalanced, and in previous years that has been the dialogue. And yeah, just I'm going to be staying tuned for for more on these developments as they happen because. It's the way that they happen and and the mechanism that is proposed for how they happen that will determine whether or not they really are a solution or whether they're just a a sort of escape hatch for a small portion of of people involved in the August festivals. Um, And I'm still hoping for a more holistic, nuanced approach that brings in everyone's voices and I hope that the people of Edinburgh will get to have a say um, where we don't and um, where we don't end up rushing into anything and don't make these changes uh, that need to happen with the festivals into a kind of reductive conversation uh, or end up seeing a series of you know self-serving agendas that end up competing with each other and the city's interests. There's a lot more to the Edinburgh Evening News piece, it's quite long and quite varied rambling going in all directions here, talking about digital events and um, shows being, plenty of shows being from Scotland and lots of lots of back and forth here. but yeah, just as a, an addendum uh, that towards the end of the piece it said, I'm not really this is a quote from Shona McCarthy from the from the Fringe Festival Society I'm not really up for people who broadcast or transmit from the sidelines, but then when you inv- <clears throat> invite them into a constructive dialogue on how to make things better, they're nowhere to be seen. That's an interesting quote, yeah. Um, I'm I'm entirely sure that it's definitely not about me at all. I would be very surprised if uh, Sean McCarthy's even aware of this podcast, and I certainly don't think that I've been uh, invited in for a conversation unless uh, it's gone into my spam emails, and I, I wouldn't even expect to be. Uh, but it's interesting that she sees it like that because I think that that's often the first thing that gets done with somebody that's a bit critical and a bit difficult in fact I know that's what gets done let's sort of bring them in for a conversation and again just let's just think about the other episodes where where people have been talking about this Um, the imbalance of power and you know a powerful individual and just like any you know somebody who works as a postman in Edinburgh who isn't particularly keen on some of the changes that are happening don't know if it's necessarily everybody who criticizes the festival's job to go in and have a constructive dialogue. I think it's you know it's kind of up to the city um leaders, and you know, if you're if you're a leader of a festival, then you are one of those leaders to take the criticism on board, not be defensive about it and seek to do better and meet people halfway. Uh but Anyway, uh, I'm I'm not going to be negative about this. It seems like a positive move. It seems like the fringe, uh, you know, have have recognised that they're going to need to do things differently in the future, and that they're looking at positive ways to do that. I think it's very early for there to be a stall set out. To be quite honest, and we don't know much about what's going to be happening in the future. And probably the council are quite busy right now with uh, dealing with all the other absolutely unprecedented things that are going on um, in the city but you know let's let's keep tuned to this to this station and see what else comes out within the next 16 days of august that are left Uh, so if you've got any thoughts you know please let me know i've been looking at some of the reactions online so one user on reddit has said Weird that the major focus of this overhaul is finding accommodation for artists and Pretty Much Fuck All mentions that the event itself is simply too large for a city of Edinburgh size to hold in such a tiny area. It goes on to say, I'm glad there's been a bit of a hard reset, that's a good term for it, but I'm struggling to find any acknowledgement of the actual problems the Fringe has presented in the last ten years By consistently growing year on year without any real consideration for the capacity of the city. That fact that the head of the fringe is either willfully or blissfully ignoring these issues is depressing as fuck. I'd wager most residents of Edinburgh couldn't really give a shit if artists were being priced out of attending due to rent skyrocketing for a single month when they have to contend with sky-high rents for the other 11 months of the year, thanks to the proliferation of Airbnb and the tourist economy that the fringe and Christmas markets, etc., are largely responsible for. Someone else positing the theory that um, they think, but they wonder whether this is going to create a two-tiered fringe, where only performers, this is what they're saying, where only performers who can sell out while charging 25 Quid or more will get a physical venue while everyone else is confined to online only shows. Uh, and then someone else replying saying, wouldn't surprise me, it all sounds altruistic until you realise that small artists will probably end up doing online shows on Twitch to an audience of five people. Uh, and then they also were saying, and these are anonymous commenters by the way, so that's why I'm not naming them. Um, I wish that they were actually radical about it and aggressively downsized with an emphasis on promoting new acts. It would be amazing if there was some sort of qualifier for the fringe that prevented larger comedians from taking part. If you've done a UK wide tour, for example, you can't do a show." Um, Okay, well anyway, so that's a few responses there. A response on Twitter from user Steve Clark. responding to the piece as it was shared by the Edinburgh Old Town Community Council he said Shona McCarthy until very recently dismissed every criticism of the direction the fringe had taken forever shouting for bigger and bigger and entirely relaxed about the takeover by commercial interests it needs to be scaled back and it needs to refind its original purpose anyway I am keen to hear from whatever you think about this and these early early days but the setting out of some intentions there and um also i if you're interested in this issue which uh, should be of interest to any festival lovers out there and and people in the performing arts then i would definitely recommend reading lynn gardner the theater critic and associate editor of the stage uh, she has written a long read piece in the stage uh entitled What Now for the Edinburgh Fringe? The questions that hover over the festival in its fallow year from that was published on the 5th of August and yeah she starts off the piece talking about Demi Nandra who took out a payday loan to take her show Life is Low Life is No Laughing Matter to the Edinburgh Fringe and how it paid off but you know ultimately um that how their last year was uh, one of the worst for criticism in terms of the lack of diversity and representation and, you know, accessibility of the festivals to people beyond the most privileged groups in society and rising rents and ticket prices and so on. And it's a really good, well-considered, thoughtful piece and it brings in a lot of different voices and I highly recommend it. Uh, So, yeah. Go onto go on the stage and, and read that Lynn, Lynn Gardner's piece, What Now for the Edinburgh Fringe. So, some final reflections. I think it's absolutely terrible that artists are having to do things like taking out a 16 grand payday loan. To come to the festival, and in the past, the, there has been a, a dialogue sort of set up, or, or a, not a dialogue, a, an opposition set up between the very expensive accommodation providers, such as hotels, who are pocketing a lot of the money, and the fringe performers who are generating the tourism in the city by being here and coming here and putting on their shows. And if they stopped coming, Then that would hurt the tourism industry. But I think that it's, it's, as per usual, it's just such a much more nuanced conversation with many more actors in it than that, and there aren't just two sides. And one of the things that occurs to me is there's just something sticking in my craw about the idea of the fringe going to the council, Edinburgh City Council, to apparently work with them to provide cheap or affordable accommodation for fringe performers. I think that the fringe performers should be able to access that, absolutely, 100%. But what I don't understand is why the first port of call for the fringe is to go to the council. And again, and that sets up a different opposition in my mind, which is the Edinburgh City Council are our representatives, the people that live here. And yes, the businesses that operate here, which would include the fringe, but we we rely on them to be our voice, the citizens of Edinburgh. We pay our council tax to them, we vote for councillors and we expect the... Council to be accountable to us. They are our our representatives in the city, they manage the city on our behalf. So it just seems that then that setting up almost like a contest, like a wrangle or a power struggle of a new type of power struggle, where it's now the fringe are going to the Council to ask for just a special exception to be made for for their um, for their performers for somehow I don't even know how that would work the council and using up council time and resources to do that when what is that because it's easier than going to the commercial players and asking them to dip into their pockets or provide a discount or you know relinquish some of their profits is it are the council just a soft target? These are the kind of thoughts that are being th- that are being thrown up when I when I read this because I know that the council often they come they come under a lot of stick and I think that the council leader and the team that work there right now are really good and I think they're probably one of the best council teams that we've ever had. But what keeps on happening, which I don't know if they necessarily realise, annoys a lot of people in Edinburgh, is that these schemes that get cooked up with various powerful players in the city just suddenly are announced they just it's just suddenly announced and um, i've actually seen another one today which i'm not even going to begin to talk about which was a, a news story that has also come out yesterday saying that the winter festivals are going ahead in edinburgh now that's the headline winter festivals to go ahead and I thought, oh, right, okay, so somebody somewhere has made the call that that will be safe, and all these, you know, ideas around the the COVID safety situation, which seem, you know, perhaps a bit too unclear to be making a big decision like that, but nonetheless, they're going, apparently going ahead, and then when I actually read the piece behind it, it turns out that the eh, Hogmanay Street Party itself is not, going ahead, it's just the Christmas markets that are going ahead <laughs> and I c- haven't even had time to be able to digest that but I just feel like again that's like another thing that's it's been cooked up there's been discussions going on resources have been potentially being used in the council to come to that decision and and, and permission has been granted to this huge commercial operation of the Christmas markets run by Underbelly to take over almost all the city centre, main shopping streets with stalls. I mean, I, like it's, it's too much to even get your head around um, quickly and from the basis of one article. But, you know, I, I think what I'm getting at really is, let's not be having that happen anymore with big, powerful organisations, going to have discussions with the council Uh, who are representing the people of Edinburgh and then cooking up these complicated plans which then are brought out and announced as a fait accompli because it's too late it's too late for the public to then have a say it's too late for any of us to say well wait a minute you know um, maybe that's not the best way of doing it, maybe that's harming um, the city in in ways that you've not necessarily discussed or thought about Um, and that's, it's bad, it's bad for business, and, you know, it's not, there there are great counsellors in there, it's not a baddie, goody situation here going on, but, um, you know, uh, what I don't understand then with the the accommodation, you know, here's here's a radical proposal, right, Um, about getting fringe performers affordable accommodation, how about you charge the anybody with uh, who's running a commercial bar operation uh, a charge or like a, a pound from every drink that they sell right and that has to go into a pot for the fringe performers accommodation so that the the costs uh, of fringe accommodation, are subsidised by the commercial operations in the city. So at least then it's not just some pure profit going into someone's pocket enabled and actually ushered in by the fringe and enabled by the labour of the underpaid fringe performers who sometimes actually end up making a loss out of bringing their show to the city. And then they can get their accommodation subsidised by one of the commercial interests. Instead of saying that somehow the council I mean, like, yeah I, I think you can probably hear that that where I'm coming from here and that I'm getting quite annoyed about it Ultimately we have a situation where we don't even have sufficient social housing and affordable housing in this city uh, and that is something that is well, that's really one of the council's core and the government's core functions. And yes, I know that it's outsourced to housing associations, but you know it's ultimately it, an, a, an important aim for a city to have places for people to live. And again, that's it. You know, we don't want we don't want the city being hollowed out. And this latest news about the winter festivals. I don't know how they could call them winter festivals when the actual cultural event, which is the Hogmanay Street Party, which has live music and, and like, wraparound cultural events for families. And uh, how, how can that be called a festival, a winter festival? It's just uh, a market. And it's not even a market filled with local... Makers and Scottish companies, and you know, or you know, companies that need the business, uh, companies that need the boost. You know, it's just it's an imported traveling market where several of the stalls are run by the same company. But anyway, uh, I'm I'm trying to close the podcast on a, a, a questioning note, and and just, I just want to know, I want to know what other people think about this, um, <clears throat> and this announcement, and yeah, there's <clears throat> more reactions as the day goes on, but please get in touch if you've got something to say. Anyway, <clears throat> I'm, uh, I'm going to go because today I'm looking forward to watching some book festival events, uh, particularly the, Olivet Otelli and Angela Saini event, which is on at 4pm today, the Edinburgh Book Festival programme, and that programme, that event, sorry, is about uh, pseudoscience and slavery, and the the history of slavery and uh, race science, which is what Angela Saini's book is about, so really looking forward to that, and yeah, so glad that the book festival is starting how am i going to get anything done now i'm just going to have to have two laptops one to do work on and one to watch book festival events on um that's just going to be how it's going to have to work but okay enjoy your saturday everybody and until tomorrow when i'll be back with another podcast i hope you have a great weekend and i'll see you then take care